Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode of the For the Love of the Game podcast on the Believe Podcast Network is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the number one spot for all your basketball and football action this season. We have college football playoff coming up, NBA, NFL, lots going on, NCAA basketball, and the best place to place your action remains to be Bet Online. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website, sign up today, and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use promo code BLEAV50. That's B L E A V. Five zero to receive your 50% bonus. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. With that said, episode 134 for the love of the game. Let's get this work. After the show, it's the after party then. After the party, it's the hotel lobby then. After the bell, then it's probably Chris. And after the original, it's probably this. Yes, my best stop. Yes, stop. Remix with the homie from the Midwest side. Game recognized. Game hoes do too. It's a new two live crew. I suppose you know so thugs pop the toasters, but don't approach us or bullets to chase you like Moet Mimosas. Catch us both coasters, racing twin poachers, boxes with glass to the pop. You're the making Welcome back, welcome back. Quick turnaround from episode 133. It is episode 134 for the love of the game with yours truly, your man's Aaron Tobin has ATH back in the studio. Back behind the mic, and we had a wild sports weekend. We had NFL slate, right, coming off the Thanksgiving Day games. I was 3-2 and two in my picks against the spread. Another winning week, so that was nice. The Knicks, after losing to Phoenix, had a huge win Saturday night against Atlanta. We had some news come out about them today. Jets and the Giants both won. There was a huge college basketball game. Gonzaga, the mighty Gonzaga Bulldogs that Jordan Marks and I spoke about in terms of just being top of the class, lost to Duke. It was a one versus five matchup after they had beaten Gonzaga, I should say, had already beaten UCLA, who was previously ranked number two. That happened. Lots happening. Let's start it off with the Knicks. The Knicks welcomed the Phoenix Suns this past Friday night to MSG. And the Suns put it on them. The Suns have now won 15 straight games. Was They've been ridiculous. What's crazy is the fact that they're not even the number one seed in their conference because the Golden State Warriors have been, like, insanely good. So insanely good. And Steph Curry right now is just on a next-level heater. I mean, some of the shots he made last night against the Clippers after getting angry about not getting a foul call, outrageous. Just outrageous shot making. Like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Not a whole heck of a lot. I mean, my goodness, he's been next level good. But yeah, and so the Phoenix Suns, they've won 15 straight games, beat the Knicks up pretty good Friday night. And then it was a back-to-back in Atlanta. The Atlanta Hawks team that embarrassed them and ended their season last year in the playoffs. I had very little confidence for them going into Atlanta and getting this W. And what do you know? What do you know? I can't figure this team out because then they go in Atlanta and they take care of business, take care of business in a big way. I know Emmanuel quickly did not shoot the ball particularly well. He was four of 12 for nine points, but the energy he brings 
was great. Again, they didn't have Derrick Rose. They didn't have Kemba Walker. Alec Burks started at point guard. And they took care of business. Fournier had a good game. Obi Toppin, another good game. Julius Randle was not particularly good. I spoke about it last time. The issues are still there. I, I just don't get it. it. It drives me crazy. But, hey, a win is a win in Atlanta against a team that had your number last year in the playoffs. That's a big-time win on a back-to-back on the road. Big-time win, especially with the schedule that they have coming up, starting with the hated Brooklyn Nets on Tuesday night. I'll be absolutely locked in for that. So, yeah, I ranted last show about the Kemba Walker experience being done, that he was toast. And today comes out on Twitter that Tom Thibodeau basically said that Kemba Walker is no longer really in the rotation, that Alec Burks is going to start Tuesday night at point for the uh, Knicks against the Nets. I didn't want it to be Derrick Rose starting, and I know Rose is coming back from an injury, so they're going to work him back in. I like Derrick Rose with the second unit. Did I want Emmanuel quickly to start? Sure. But anything was better than the Kemba experience because if Kemba wasn't making threes, he was absolutely useless, as I detailed before. But And I'm shocked. I'm honestly shocked that Tibbs is pulling the plug on the Kemba Walker experience as quickly as he has, given his uh, lack of urgency last year to pull Alfred Payton from the starting lineup, which was an absolute disaster. But good for Tibbs. Good for Tibbs. I, I was, again, I was pro the Walker experiment, but it, it just was time. It, it wasn't good. He was... Terrible on defense, and if he wasn't making threes, he was terrible on offense. Now, I'd like to get Julius Randle out of the funk that he's in. That'd be nice, and I'd like for Tibbs to be playing Obi Toppin and Manuel quickly at minimum 25 minutes a night, but this is good. This is good, and you know what? Alec Burks has earned the starting spot. He's been incredible in a lot of these games, so let's go Knicks. I know it's kind of sad to see a guy – of the stature of Kemba Walker just fall off. But, it, you know, the, the body is can only take so much, and, and his just gave out, and, he, and he's no longer an impact player. But and it is what it is. It's, it's hard to argue against it at this point. So it's a little Knicks talk. This episode of the For the Love of the Game show is also brought to you by Lightbox. Say goodbye to dull gifts. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, they've cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds you can find at a light price of $800 per carat. That's right, only $800 per carat. They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but they're grown in a lab. Because of their process, they can create stones in blush pink, in beautiful blue, as well as classic white. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off price so that they have to have it. They really do make any outfit sparkle. So visit lightboxjewelry.com and add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's right, lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox diamonds, never a dull moment. Some football. The Jets and the Giants won Sunday. Neither of them won in particularly inspiring fashion that makes you feel good about anything that's going on with the franchise. But again, a win is a win, except for the fact that the Philadelphia Eagles stink. The Dallas Cowboys will continue to stink. 
the Washington football team, I should say, stings. I mean, the, the NFC East is still bad. And as for the Jets, and if you're a Jet fan, you have to feel pretty good. I mean, this year's draft looks like it could be potentially be a really, really good draft for the New York Jets. Obviously, Zach Wilson's the biggest piece of that. But, you know, you got a couple of other really good players in. Barrett Tucker looks like a, an above-average starter, potentially a star on the offensive line. Michael Carter at running back, pretty good. Elijah Moore has a chance to be really good. Like, that's already three dudes. And if Zach Wilson, who has talent, turns into something, that's a big-time draft. But really enough about the NFL because it was a boring week of football. The Jets are kind of boring. They still stink. And the Giants are definitely boring, even with Jason Garrett out and Freddie Kitchens in. Uh, We recorded on Friday before the Rangers game against the Bruins. Nice of the Rangers to take care of business. That was really good. The Rangers are the best team in New York and are a really, really fun group to watch. So kudos to them for taking care of business against the Boston Bruins. And uh, shout out to Panarin for throwing his glove at Martian at the end of the game. Martian, that rat, even though I kind of respect that he owns it. Not that I respect what he does, but I respect that he owns it. So we're going to talk to a recurring guest about his favorite college football team winning an enormous game. Michigan beat Ohio State for the first time in years. And we're going to bring on a second guest to talk about my alma mater that has won 44 straight games, but a little teaser. So as I just mentioned, the Yeshiva University Maccabees have won 44 straight basketball games. It's been over 730 days since they've lost a basketball game. And their star player, Ryan Terrell, yesterday dropped a 51-piece on Manhattanville. Incredible. In a game where they were missing their starting point guard and two of their top seven guys, two of their top guards, homeboy goes out and drops a 51-piece, extra crispy, with a side of potato salad and coleslaw. Incredible. Incredible. He won the game by himself. By himself. And you saw shots every which way. You saw it in the post, the turnarounds. You saw him driving to the basket. You saw him cutting off the ball. You saw the three ball. There was NBA range threes, all right? The full package was on display. Just so much fun. And the best part about it, we're going to talk to a buddy of mine who played YU basketball in a little bit, was everything was in the flow of the offense. He was 21 of 30 from the field, and all 30 shots were good shots. Incredible. Just incredible. Like, this is the greatest thing to happen to Yeshiva University. And the the scary thing is, is that Yeshiva University doesn't even know what to do with itself and what they have with this team. Wild. Absolutely wild. I said it before, and when I had Coach Steinmetz on last year, we had a kid playing at Yeshiva University, he's wearing a yarmulke on, incredible. It was just profiled in the Wall Street Journal. They were profiled on ESPN, just profiled in the Wall Street Journal about modern Orthodox kids wearing kippot while playing hoop. It's incredible. I mean, big come up for the Jews in the athletic ranks. Jacob Steinmetz was drafted in the third round of the MLB draft. Another guy was drafted in the MLB draft out of Las Vegas, 
Yeshiva University basketball has won 44 straight games. And the best defenseman in the NHL is a member of the tribe. This is a major come up for Jewish athletics. Just awesome. Just awesome stuff. I, I can't get over watching Yeshiva University play basketball. It's an incredible brand of basketball that they're playing. Just, just awesome. So awesome. And a 51-piece. A 51-piece. And the other team had 54 points. So he basically outscored them by himself. It was awesome. Can't wait to talk to my buddy about that. He'll be a first-time guest. But first, we're going to talk a little bit about Michigan beating Ohio State for the first time in years in just a matter of moments. So as you know, I have a specific recurring guest who went to a specific university that hadn't beaten another university, another certain university in football in basically a decade. He's one of my favorite recurring guests. Mr. Jordan Marks had himself quite a weekend. And then we get some news about the New York Mets signing Max Scherzer, and he's a Met fan. So we obviously had to bring him on because he's on cloud nine. Jordan, your Michigan Wolverines ended the streak. They beat the Ohio State Buckeyes. You're back to being a football school. On a scale of one to ten, being on cloud nine, are you a ten, a ten and a half, an eleven? Where, where are we at? Uh, Fourteen. Uh, my, uh, it, Saturday was a, a crazy day. I, I was telling um, someone this, this morning, I just – when I like came, walked into my building and like after the game, I went upstairs and then I had to take out the garbage. I saw this guy on my floor who I just run into here and there. And he just I wasn't wearing any Michigan gear at the time. But he said, and I was with Jane at the time, he says, congratulations on the win today. Uh, you did great. And I said, and Jane was like, does he think you're on the team or something? I was like, Jane, this is this is the situation. This is an unbelievable achievement for the University of Michigan. And honestly, through all the terrible, terrible times and uh, of the so many losses, beatdowns from Urban Meyer, everything, uh, Harbaugh and, and the guys really credit to the whole team and the staff to get over the hump. And, and yeah, now we're, we're moving forward this weekend in the Big Ten Championship game. So what was your confidence level going into this game? I mean, we spoke about it a little bit earlier. Like, it didn't seem very high, but... No, were you was, like, were you just completely expecting a disaster? I mean, like, I don't remember what year it was where Michigan was like the fourth ranked team. I think Dwayne Haskins was playing quarterback for Ohio State. And Michigan was like in the top four and they go into Ohio State and Ohio State hung like 50 something on them. You, you I, remember the game. Yeah, 2016 and 2018 was close too. But they, they my, my confidence level was quite low. Um, I, I think. I think part of that is it's it's Harbaugh's inability to defend um, the option, and, that, and that's what always has been the bane of our issues. And the staff got completely younger. He hired Mike McDonald from the Ravens. Obviously, uh, his brother uh, suggested that idea. It got younger and it got smarter. And I thought that was a coaching clinic uh, this on Saturday. I think he completely out, out coached Ryan Day. Um, and, and part of part of what I think happened over the past decade or so um, was Urban Meyer is is on another level from Ryan Day, and I think Ryan Day was they were unprepared. Um, I think obviously they won the game in 2019 with him. Game was canceled last year, but uh, 2019 I think he was on a borrowed team from Urban, um, and it, it just it, it really showed. We we 
we not only won that this game on Saturday, we we demolished them. We we completely grounded them into a paste uh, in, in the rushing attack, and then. Well, you played uh, five rushing touchdowns, 169 yards. That's on Askins, man, H2. And then uh, on the defensive side of the ball, we made C.J. Stroud extremely uncomfortable, and they, they really couldn't do much. Um, it, it was it was a bend-don't-break approach. They, they were able to score. Travion Henderson got his. Uh, the, the, the receivers, who are you're all you're going to hear all their names in the NFL, uh, from Garrett Wilson to Jackson Smith and the Jigba, and um, Chris Olave, all NFL guys, very similar to Alabama's receivers from years past, but they had to make insane catches uh, just to keep the ball moving. But really a credit to Aiden Hutchinson, Ojabo, two edge rushers you're going to see in the first round this year. Absolutely. Uh, just just an amazing performance and really a credit to the staff and these players because, holy crap, you saw it. You saw the big house after the game. What a celebration. I mean, Jackson Smith and Ojabo, had 127 yards receiving. Garrett Wilson had 119 yards receiving. And it's not like C.J. Stroud played poorly. Yeah, I mean, they, they just got they, – they, they just bend but don't break, right? These aren't – none of those were explosive plays. And that's what happens in years past. In years past, you might get, you know, get them to a third and long and then, boom, 65-yard touchdown for – whoever it was at the time, you know, insert Ezekiel Elliott, whatever, big running back, big play wide receiver, whoever it was. And then we were never, because we were just never able to contain the edge, whether it was a running quarterback at the time or just a crazy option, weird slot ninja receiver that would just take over. We were never able to contain and Harbaugh finally adapted and changed. And I am so grateful to that. Where does this rank in terms of your sports uh, victories? Ones, ones that have given you like the most joy. Like, like where does this rank in the Pantheon? I mean, obviously you're a Mets, Jets, Knicks, Islanders fan. So it's not like you have like a tremendous amount to choose from, but I mean, where is this? Yeah. In terms of regular season victories, it's probably one, right? Like, because it's a regular season victory, right? All the other, in professional sports, but it means more. It, it it doesn't feel like a regular season victory, but and yeah, there's plenty of there's a bunch of games left to play, and if we're so grateful to to beat Iowa this weekend, um, you know, you make the college football playoff, and then it's you know it's all it's all over from there. But yes, yeah, so, I mean, this has to be the best regular season victory. I don't know where it stands in the pantheon of all time, but I mean, it it, it goes so far. It, it doesn't a win like this doesn't just count as a win in the win loss column. It, it gets you over the hump from all the, the, the naysayers, the effing Paul Feinbaums of the world, those everyone who says that Harbaugh can't get it done. And then it also helps you immensely on the recruiting channel. I mean, these guys are going after these same five-star athletes. And there were so many in the stadium. And they saw that atmosphere. They saw that environment. They saw how ill-prepared the Ohio State Buckeyes were for Michigan. And that goes a long way and it, and it affects years and years to come. So that that's, it, it was a gigantic, gigantic victory. And I'm, yeah, again, I'm still cloud nine. So looking ahead, uh, does Iowa make you nervous at all? I mean, that was a team that was ranked in the yeah, top, I mean, top four for a little bit. I mean, for a hot minute, they can't really score any points, but does that make you a little nervous? Yeah. I mean, what, <laughs> it, it, Going into this weekend, I was stress-free. Uh, I, I, again, I, I 
confidence had no level, expectations. Confidence level was extremely low. We, we had lost to Michigan State. They pounded Michigan, Michigan State's brains in the week prior. So um, I confidence level was low. Confidence level now, very high. And that scares the shit out of me. Um, beyond that, I was, it's a very aggressive defense. They have a historic turnover margin. Um, they have NFL defensive backs. They have a really good line on both sides. Um, but like you said, they have two quarterbacks that they're not even sure which one they want to use, whether it's Padilla or Spencer Petras. Uh, good, good running game, but I mean, this is a team that struggled many times. There were double-digit deficits to like Minnesota, Nebraska, um, Wisconsin. I, they're, they're a team that has struggled throughout the season, uh, especially after they were that top five team. Um, but, and, and I think we could win. I mean, I think we're 10 and a half, 11 point favorites from a Vegas standpoint. Um, but again, everything makes me nervous because we have not been here before. You say, act like you've been here, never been here. Don't know what it feels like. Um, so I'm not going to take it for granted. And I sure as hell don't think that Harbaugh playing in this NFL stadium with a chance to be in the college football playoff. I'm sure we're going to talk about rankings and what they might look like in a second. Should we be so grateful to get there? But um, yeah, no, I, I'm always nervous. Sure. Does the quarterback situation, does that, I, obviously, you know, the scariest thing is now that you have expectations, you don't want them ripped out from under you, but the quarterback situation in terms of like actual, like on the field stuff, does that, make you a little nervous just because they don't necessarily have it. Like if they were to not necessarily that Iowa would be a shootout. Right. But like maybe, and you shouldn't even look ahead towards, you know, the, the final four, but if you wanted to be super competitive in those games, do you think you have a quarterback on the roster that can win a shootout say against Alabama? I do. I I, listen, I, I don't know. I, I, I definitely have been critical of Cade McNamara in the past, and and I think a lot of people have. I, I think JJ McCarthy is a five star and and has been impressive throughout. Um, I I do think that when you're looking at the teams that will play, and again, I'm not even looking that far ahead, but we, what we just did is the most important thing, right? So we just beat Ohio State. We just beat a team with a very good defense, a team that uh, yes, they struggled against Oregon, but that was light years ago uh mm-hmm. since then they've pretty much pounded every team so um yes that's a lot of it has to do with the offense but the defense has gotten better they they removed Kerry coombs from the defensive coordinator position um they upgraded i think their d-backs coach and and i think ryan day helped out a lot um but and there's five stars everywhere that, that's a good defense i don't care if they struggled but we just shredded it and it wasn't yes hassan haskins was amazing but the offensive line was ridiculous they were so good. They paved the way and they gave Cade McNamara time to make the timely throws, whether it was to Eric Hall or Roman Wilson or Mike Sandstrom. There were some nice throws downfield and he was completely on target. The wide receivers are making plays and I think we have a good wide receiver core too. Um, so yeah, I think we can do it. We just beat Ohio State. And once you beat Ohio State, all bets are off for the, the rest of the way. The rankings going forward. Obviously, Ohio State, which was previously a two, is going to drop out. Cincinnati. Everything has gone right for them in terms of them getting in. Did Ohio State losing basically ensure that Cincinnati is going to get in now? I think – I don't think it ensured Cincinnati getting in. I think 
it, it gave them a much better shot at getting in. I think that the SEC championship is huge and they do not need Alabama winning that football game. Um, Alabama wins that football game. Cincinnati might has to pray um, because if Oklahoma State beats Baylor, Oklahoma State's definitely in, right? It's a one loss Big 12 team with wins over Oklahoma, Baylor twice. I, there's no way you're keeping them out. I actually think Oklahoma State will jump Cincinnati tomorrow night. I think that really, I think Oklahoma State will be three and Cincinnati will be four. Um, it's going to be in some order uh, of that. I mean, I, Alabama might be still be in there, but I so where's Michigan then? I think Michigan will be two, right? So I think Michigan. Think Michigan be, is going to be two. Alabama is going to be three, and Oklahoma State would be four. No. I, I think I, I don't know. I think Alabama might. I think Alabama, because of what happened against Auburn, which is like a 500 SEC team, might drop to five. Even we'll see. Again, nothing matters until this weekend, right? Because they're going to play each other. Um, but I think Oklahoma State, what they did was so impressive uh, that they might jump up. Um, we'll, we'll we'll see this weekend. But if, if I'm Cincinnati, I am rooting for everything to remain status quo. You want Georgia to beat Alabama's brains in so that Alabama has no shot. And then you're in. You're in, right? You're in. Because you've been there, you're in. Uh, you also have to beat Houston. So Houston's a top 25 team. So you got to do that. I don't think I don't think you even have to do that in some impressive fashion, um, although that wouldn't hurt. Um, because you don't really want to – if Georgia wins, you don't want to play – nobody really wants to play Georgia, right? You want to be in that 2-3 game. You want to play whether it's Oklahoma State or Michigan or – I guess I'll, I mean, I don't know. That, that's the only other two teams. And then Notre Dame is that, that I guess, sixth or seventh team that I mentioned um, on the outside looking in. So, so you, Michigan's sitting pretty right now. We're sitting pretty. Yeah, I, definitely an, I mean, 11 point favorite to be in that 2 3 game. That's as good of a sitting pretty that you can get. And it doesn't matter how they win it, you just got to win it. You just got to win it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. There's too many good wins. There's no, you don't have to be impressive. Uh, you're going to get three weeks off to focus on the next game. Just, just win the fucking neutral site game. And you're going to have a lot of Michigan fans go making that trip to Indianapolis. So you're making the trip. I am not making the trip. If knock on, again, knock on wood, should we be so grateful? The next trip is one that I would like to make. Um, let me ask you this just quick, uh, Michigan basketball. Where are you at with them? Yeah. Nervous? Nervous for sure. Young roster, um, young roster. And, and I think what's happening a lot around the country and, and you've seen it, it's, it's a lot of transfers, um, a lot of inexperience in packed stadiums. So whether that's even either freshmen or sophomores, um, and you're seeing some sloppy play around the country. Um, definitely nervous, definitely nervous. We get the heels Wednesday night. So in the ACC big 10 challenge. So that'll be a fun one. That'll be a fun one. And I, I really do hope Juwan's prepared because it's, we need a big non-conference victory after uh, dropping seat ball in Arizona. So we'll see. And lastly, that just came in the New York Mets, as we alluded to earlier, signed Max Scherzer. Uncle Stevie, man. <laughs> This is after a weekend where they signed, you know, a couple of guys. They signed Starling Marte. They signed uh, Canna. You can't, you can't is, ask is everything coming up Jordan Marks right now? Like, this, this has to be, like, the best sports weekend of your life. 
It is. I, I will say, I was saying, talking to someone earlier, it's just, it, it's so hard to be positive about the Mets. I mean, you can, it's an amazing one-two punch, but they have to stay healthy, right? And it's just, <laughs> everything has to go well. Everything has to go well. I mean, I have friends texting me, it's an automatic playoff spot. I'm like, what's automatic with the New York Mets? <laughs> This is this is the psychology of somebody who's been beaten down for for years on years on years. What? Yeah. What do you think? I mean, it's an well, I, I argued even before the signing this weekend. I argued that the Mets were in a better spot than the Yankees. Wow. I, I, I may. I'm my old point was the Yankees are like in quicksand and they run back. this. They've been running back the same bullshit for the last couple of years and they're doing it again. And the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Like they're not getting a different result and the Mets at least. All right. So they don't have a manager, but at least they're, they're flexing their, you know, New York dollars and they cleaned house. They're going to get a new manager. They got a new general manager and, and they're doing something. I'd rather be the Mets than the Yankees easily. I think the difference is for us, we would love to make the playoffs. For you, if you do not win the World Series, it is doom and gloom. And that's the difference. <laughs> it just, I know the Yankees won 92 games and they haven't finished below 500 since 1993. But like, it's a, it's just, it's just blah. It's just blah. And I'd rather be the Mets. I think the Mets are better off. I said that even before the shirts were signing. Now for certain, because I know the Braves won the World Series, but it's not like your division's incredible. 100% agree. 100%. I mean, that's, in what world are we living in that Michigan football beats Ohio State football and that the Mets are in a better position than the Yankees? Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll How are we going to balance the universe, Jordan? What, 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 are, are you nervous about like the rest of the universe over here? I, yeah, I, I don't know what world, I, I'm still, I still am in shock about the Michigan. I, I'm, yeah, I spent all of yesterday, to be honest, on Ohio State um, blogs, just trolling <laughs> because it was so fun. I don't know if you've ever done this, but it's, it's really an exciting thing to do in the collegiate fan world. <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, my alma mater has won 44 straight basketball games. Uh, and we have a, a guy who we're going to talk about later on in this show who is basically on the NBA radar and just dropped a 50-piece, which is – Yeah, yeah NBA yeah. scouts are looking at him. Listen, there aren't that many 6'6 guys who can shoot from NBA range. NBA, wow. Okay, I got, you got to send me a video of this guy. Wow. I, I, will, I will gladly send you some tape. Uh, the – Yesterday's game was ridiculous. He scored 51 points. A 50-piece, extra crispy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Two sides. Um, so, yeah, no, but it's uh, – the most I get out of it is when I'm either trolling Boston sports fans or or my Laker fan friends. I mean, that that's great whenever uh. I can dig at them. So I don't have the college experience like you have, but, I mean, first of all, this game coming up when they're playing Ohio, Iowa, how are you going to watch this game? Like you have to watch in seclusion, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't go to bars or anything like that. I, I you go to a friend's apartment. I, Saturday night's definitely different than a Saturday, but 
Saturday night, go to a friend's apartment. Yeah. Get a couple beers and just lock in and that's it. I mean, it's, it's, it's all, to be honest, the most frustrating part is Fox's deal with big, with the big 10 network because Gus Johnson is uh, sometimes can be a bit much. Um, yeah, he could get a little extra for uh, for a football game. I, I'd much rather him calling basketball. So he's called. Yeah, he's going to be calling again, and he called this weekend, and he's just very yeah, way extra. Um, but yeah, in seclusion for sure, just a few guys, um, and just praying. Every everything is a prayer. Everything <laughs> is a prayer. What 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 times uh, kickoff Saturday? Kickoffs. Probably end up being eight twenty, and they'll probably squeeze as much time out of it. Probably end at like one a.m. or something. All right, you know what? I'm I'm gonna be locked in. I'm gonna be locked in for this one. I watch about three college football games a year, but I'm gonna be locked in for this one. We we greatly appreciate it. Listen, I you know friend friend of the program, you you, you get my support. And and about the seclusion thing, I mean, I know this is like a pipe dream, but like if the Knicks were ever in like a really big playoff game like i'd have to watch alone i couldn't even watch around friends because i'd be miserable unless you're at the garden itself well a piece <laughs> of my soul is still dead and buried it from last year's playoff game there but yeah it is what it is but listen big things were happening for you this weekend so i had to bring you on to gloat had to bring you on to gloat i know it's short notice but you know we could just riff off the off the cuff anyway so who cares but i'm happy for you man this is great Thanks. Thanks. We'll, we'll, we'll get back on here and, and before, before the college football playoff, regardless of the case to, to get an update on both. Well, are you, uh, I mean, are you going to be okay to talk about it? Yeah. I, for me, the biggest thing was getting over that hump. Okay. I mean, it would suck to stumble this weekend against Iowa. Um, but getting, getting over that hump was so big um, and, and so important to this program and this institution that, I'm, I'm okay. I, I'll be okay. I was going to ask you, like, the, the doomsday scenario about that happening, what it would mean for the, the playoff. But you know what? We're not even going to talk about that because we're, we're a positive vibes only program here. We bring good juju onto the world. So let's go all Michigan, right. all right? Let's do this. Let's go, Blue. Let's do it. All right, Jordan. This was great to catch up. Obviously, I'm happy for you. Uh, big things are coming, and uh, we'll speak soon, man. Thanks so much. All right. Take care, buddy. All right, so I talked about it in the monologue at the end of the monologue. My alma mater right now has not lost a basketball game in over 730 days. They uh, just put it on Manhattanville College, Skyline Conference. Best player on the team, Ryan Terrell, dropped a 51-piece. I am welcoming on a first-time guest, somebody who's in one of my more ridiculous WhatsApp chats. He's actually the third member of the chat to be on this podcast, a YU basketball alum, yet still gets uh, crossed over by me uh, quite regularly. Well, it hasn't been, you know, in a, in a couple of weeks, but whatever. Mr. David Gobard, Dave, YU has taken over the number one ranking at D3. This is ridiculous. It's incredible. Um, I mean, the program has come an extremely long way. Um, to get here over the last four years um, you know you've saw them from a perennial playoff team to number one in the country it's incredible it's really incredible when you watch them play and I, I, 
I kind of want to use Sunday's game as an, an example because obviously the headliner is Ryan Terrell, who's now on the radar of NBA scouts, uh, considering all the not just his play on the court, but the press that uh, that the team has gotten, whether it's the Wall Street Journal, ESPN, all this kind of stuff. I mean, he had D1 offers before he went to, you know, YU. But even though that he, you know, he put up 30 shots, right? He was 21 for 30, which is ridiculous. 18, eight for 15 from three. But every shot was in the flow of the game, right? It didn't seem like he took any bad shots. Like, they don't take any bad shots. Like, how much of a joy is this to watch? Just the ball whips around. It's, it's incredible. You know, they, you, you watch him play, and you can see that the players really bought into Elliot's system, right? Elliot's time that's system. They buy into the system. You can see the level of trust. Every single person on the court always makes the extra pass, right? Always makes the right play the right pass. It's from one to five. They're all making the right pass. Lifer is an incredible big man inside, but also a connector, right? I mean, by the amount of uh, how many assists now, right? He, he set a record for. He's arguably the best passer yeah. on the team, right? Exactly, right? And that's your and that's your five or your four. Um, you know, everyone. I mean, those guard, the guards. You can talk about Manando. They're missing two of their key players and they're still beating their opponent by by 20 plus points you know and and so so when you have everyone who trusts their teammates that's very very um rare i think right i mean every team that i've been on you know you trust you know one or two three but all guys um you know they trust that the next person is going to make the right play and so it's easy to give it up and honestly, and, and Terrell, when they're, when they're in trouble, right, look for your guy, Terrell, and he just makes it happen. And he gets the ball in the flow, and he, he makes those, the, the quick move, and he scores. It's incredible. They don't hold the ball. Nobody's holding it, you know, three, four seconds surveying a defense. It's just move, move. The players are moving. It, it's, it's really, like – You don't want to compare it to like NBA basketball, but it's kind of like the way the Warriors play, right? Where, you know, just everybody's getting a touch, everybody's moving, and they have one guy who's like a supernova, supernova player. Uh, And he was scoring from every level, right? He was scoring off backdoor cuts. He was, you know, roasting dudes in the post on turnaround jumpers. He was making NBA range threes. I mean, you know, full package on display, but again, everything was in the flow of the offense. Yeah. Well, you know, I think, I think Terrell really embodies the team, right? So like you just mentioned, Terrell, he hits NBA range threes. Okay. Off the dribble, catch and shoot, drives really well. He, he's a great dribbler for his size. Um, He rebounds. He, uh, you know, mid-range layups, backdoor cuts. That's him individually. But also as a team, right, you, you watch them play. Lifer hits threes too, right? They have big men inside. They have incredible shooters who can hit that catch and shoot. They have guys, I mean, Reef takes, you know, Reef takes guys off the dribble and dunks on people, right? I mean, as a team, they have it at each level. 
And then obviously Terrell is the embodiment of that because he individually hits it on every level as well. It was the game before that where, I, you know, I saw the highlight on Instagram. Um, shout out to Ofek Reef, who a uh, follower of mine on Instagram, friend of the program, basically takes a guy baseline, you know, big man rotates over, flushes it with one hand. I've been dreaming of doing that just yeah, right? one time in my life since, um, you know, eight years old, but whatever, it's fine. I, it's just, it, it's just, we both have a complicated uh, relationship with YU and YU basketball, right? I practiced for a semester. You played for, what was it, two, three years? Yeah, three years, yeah. The old coach basically stymied all his players, you know, neutered the talents of all the guys who were there. And right now, the, the free-flowingness of offense, like, I don't even think Elliot calls many sets. Like, it doesn't look like he's calling that many sets and it's just allowing his players to play. And it's just, you can't help but wonder what would have been if we would have had this for all these years. But my goodness, now it, it's fantastic yeah. to watch. Obviously, Terrell's the headliner. And again, they beat Manhattanville by 20-something points. They didn't have two of their top seven guys and their starting guard, who's arguably the best shooter on the team. Um, yeah. You spoke about Gabe Leifer, right? A thousand points, a thousand rebounds. But it's almost like beyond the stats, right? Because there'll be games where he's going to score four points. There are going to be games where he'll get you 15 to 17. But for a guy that size, and he's not the quickest, he can't jump, but he's got such feel around the basket and, and can also stretch his range out from, you know, from three. And again, he may be the best passer on the team playing the four or the five spot. I mean, just talk to me about like what you see from him yeah. because he's been, he's been incredible for them. Well, you know, he's, you, you watch him play. And like you said, it comes out, he passed the eyeball test, right? He may not, he may not pop on the, even though I think he does pop off the stat sheet, but he, some games he may not pop. He'll take three, three shots a game. You know, one game, I think recently he had like three points. Right. Um, but you watch him play. He makes always makes the right pass, always looking right. When things break down, his touch around the basket is also just amazing. I played with, you know, six, nine guys, I, I, bigger guys than him, stronger guys than him. And like, just, but his touch and the moves he makes around the basket. Right. And then again, even when he's, even when he's dribbling in with his back to the basket, he's still making the right pass. He still has his eyes open and he throws a cross court, a cross court pass for a wide open Halpert three in the corner, you know? Um, and, you know, just one thing you said before, right. Uh, that I want to, I just want to touch on. Right. Elliot may not call many sets, but you watch why you play offensively. And like you mentioned before, they constantly move. They their their motion is back screen, um, cut, you know, cut away, um, open up, change the basket. That constant movement gets, you know, opens up lanes, opens up space for those shooters and the cutters. And obviously that. Um, getting to what I said before, if the guys don't buy into that motion and one guy doesn't do it, then it breaks down. 
And right. also to make the other team pay, you got to have the passers willing to make those passes. So Leifert, right? He, I mean, 500 assists. He makes those passes and he hits those passes. You know, Terrell. And you have these big guys who are great passers. They see over the, you know, over, um, you know, see they see the lanes and they make those passes. It's, I, I mean, yeah. And and Aton Halpert, like, runs the team really, really well. Uh, he He penetrates. He, you know, plays well off the ball. Well, he and and we mentioned that Elliot doesn't call a lot of sets, but as you just said, it's very structured. It's very structured. But even within that structure, there's a freedom of of being able to do some things, right? And and I I don't know if what if if the school, obviously, you know, we're not known for our athletics, right? But like I don't even think the school knows what to do with itself with with what's going on here. Number right, one, great, number one in the nation. In the D3. number one That's is yeah. huge. Huge really for a small school in really Washington exciting. Heights. That the the you know how many people or, or kids they can recruit from the recruiting bodies not that big, right? Yeah. It's yeah. just unbelievable. And, and to think that you know w- without. If, if COVID never came out, right, that first year that they were making the run in, you know, Sweet 16 coming out of nowhere, just beating dudes in. Last year, they didn't have a playoff. Yeah. And, and they went undefeated. This year, they're clowning teams by over 20, 25 points every night. There's a real, you know, alternate universe where they could have won three straight titles. Like that, or could win three straight titles. That's some dynasty type shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you when you think back, it's I, I I feel for those guys. I feel for those guys because what they're doing is history. Obviously, history of YU. Um, you know what they're doing, what they're they're showing. You know, they're transforming the the program. Um, you know, they're also just a. I mean, they're really a shining light to Jews, right? Across the country, across, you know, the world. I mean, you know, YU is known um, for its academics, for its Torah Umada, right? Um, Torah and, you know, and, but, and just learning, not for its athletics and, and what they're doing with Kipazon, right? I mean, you've seen the, the press in the Wall Street Journal and ESPN, what, what Terrell says, what Elliot says and, and their message. It's really, it's hitting home, it's hitting home. It's unbelievable. I said it in the monologue. The, the Jews are having a major glow up right now in the in terms of athletics, right? Why use won 44 straight games is now the number one seed in the country for D3. The best defenseman in the NHL is Jewish and Adam Fox, yeah. right? We had two modern Orthodox kids draft in the MLB draft, one of which is Jacob Steinmetz, the son of the coach of Yeshiva University, who was drafted in the third round, right? Like, don't let the Jews get hot in athletics, right? I was, I was joking with my brother Noam over the weekend. He was like, if we learn how to jump, like, we're going to be a force, dude, on Hanukkah, no less. <laughs> you know, Incredible. just to, speaking of Hanukkah in uh, NYU basketball, I mean, this year, obviously, you know, 44 straight wins, but, you know, we – in my time before, you know, even I got to YU, you know, we were a middling conference team. Yeah. Um, but every Hanukkah, 
we pull off the miracle and we beat, you know, the one or two seed. I remember, shout outs to McGillnick. All right. Ari McGillnick. Friend of the program, Ari McGillnick. We, yes. And we were playing, I remember my year. Made uh, a huge three at the end of the game. Huge three. Hanukkah miracle. We beat Maritime, which was one of the top teams in the conference. Uh, a few years before that, you know, we pulled uh, with Shawitz and, and Co. You know, they pulled an upset, a huge upset, Hanukkah time. Uh, it's it's a good Hanukkah is a good time for the Jews. <laughs> it's it's incredible. I, I gotta ask you. Um, I know when I spoke to El, Coach Elliott on the uh, on the program last year, he mentioned that, and I asked him. I said flat out, I was like, if you got a D one offer, like a real D one offer, and again, all the you know Shabbat logistics were worked out would you take it and he said no do you really believe him because i feel like because i i know he he's a successful lawyer he does all this stuff but like you could tell by the way that he coaches that he loves coaching and he loves the sport of basketball i find it really hard to believe that if the right d1 offer didn't come along that he would take it what do you think um, there's, listen, there's two competing factors here, right? There's, of course. There you have the, you have the, you know, what he's doing at YU for the Jewish people and for Jews across the globe, right? And being uh, a real mentor for many people, right? It's something more than basketball, but then you have your competitiveness and your, like you mentioned, the love of coaching and, and love of the game. Also, just, you know, can you do it in the D1 level, right? Just, you know, that goes into you. <clears throat> very difficult decision, excuse me, very difficult decision. Uh, I'm sure that, you know, but again, knowing, knowing him and, and him being in this position, he's saying the right things. You know, getting that yeah, D1 of offer. I mean, can you do it in the, at the D1 level, I think, is a huge thing uh, going there. And honestly, you can still be a, a, um, a mentor for Jews, you know, showing, showing the world that you can do it at the D1 level. You know, imagine, imagine he goes to a D1 school and, and turns them into a, a real, you know, D1 powerhouse. I mean, that's, that's also pretty good. And, and that's showing, showing Jews uh, that you can do it. Right. And, and being kind of a mentor. So I think, I, you know, he can do it. And I think he would take it. I, I but he's saying the right things. Well, yeah, you can't talk about it while you you haven't lost in over 730 days. Um, but I would hope that he would do it because I I would love to watch it happen. And I, I think he is, yeah, you know, just as good as, you know, 50% of the coaches in D1. I, I really do. And, you know, I, and just as like wanting me to, you know, compete, see somebody like that compete against the best. It would be awesome. I agree. Um, it would just, and listen, just he's, be incredible. Listen, they're, they're doing what they have to do. He's doing what he has to do. They're winning. They won 44, 45 straight, whatever, you know, um, <clears throat> they're beating teams by 20, 30. Right. I mean, he's, they're doing what they have to do. Terrell, can he play the D one level? Right. Can he play? Um, <clears throat> can he get an offer for an NBA camp? I mean, listen, right now he's in. What D3. do you think? What do you think about that? What do I think about that? Um, I think I think he absolutely can go and compete in a higher level, right? 
getting, I would, it would not surprise me to get, you know, an offer to showcase what he can do at a, you know, in, in a summer camp against higher competition. Um, you know, he, he definitely has the body for it. Um, it looks now he has a skill for it. Um, and he's just, he's doing what he, what he has to do. I mean, he's, he's averaging 30 points. He's shooting 60, uh, 60%, you know, 40 plus 45% from three. I and mean, he's doing what he has to do. Can he compete? I think so. I think so. I've been saying it for a while. I've been saying it for a while. I, I, I will not predict that he's going to make an NBA roster. No, that's no. absurd. I do think he will get a look at a summer camp and I think he can easily play summer league. I think he does. I think he deserves a look. I think he would be able to compete how successful. I don't know. I right. you know, but, but um, you know, from his body of work and I mean, he has the tools for it, but just the fact that we're talking about that from our alma mater, that this little small ass school in Washington Heights is crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. I, I mean, I, I was having this conversation with a, with a bunch of guys uh, from LA and uh, McGillnick is actually in the conversation. I said, it's like, you guys don't understand. There aren't that many guys out there that are six, seven move somewhat fluidly and shoot 45 to 50% from three. Like they don't grow on trees. Right. So those guys are going to get looks. They they have to get looks. Wild stuff, man. It's wild stuff. So, so when are you going to the game next? Um, December, they're playing the, on the Saturday night, the 4th and the 11th. So I'll be uh, at one or both of those games. All right. I may go with you the 4th. May go with you yeah. the 4th. And it's going to be uh, – let's get it. It'll be 45 straight wins. If they, if they pull it off, that'd be awesome. Dave, thanks so much for hopping on. Why awesome. is number one in the nation. Repeat that. I know there aren't a lot of podcasts talking about D3 hoops – But that's what we do on the For the Love of the Game podcast. We give the people something a little different, but we give the people what they want. I really appreciate it. And um, let's get a little little pickup hoop, uh, you and I, and and, and some other uh, clowns together. So so we (laughs) can show these old guys that we still have it. Yeah. All right, right, awesome. Thanks so much. All right, see you later. Thanks again to my guest, Mr. Jordan Marks, for talking about Michigan and beating Ohio State and how on cloud nine he is. And to Dave Gilboa, first time guest, for talking a little YU hoops on Hanukkah, no less. Haven't lost in over 730 days. I'm not sure if I mentioned it, but it's really, really remarkable. Going to win that D3 title this year. That's episode 134 for the love of the game. Take us out, Kelson Hope. Yes, the- Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.